Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Come meet me at the Museo With Alan and Daniel We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long Good morning and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopta, C70, bad at C70. Well, I don't really do C70 bad anymore. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, at C70. Got Alan Medlock, a Medlock one over there. And today, this morning, joined by Tito Rivera. You know him as uh, Tito on Twitter at Traveratops. You probably just ignore him and that's fine, but we've got him on here anyway. Um, we didn't, we're not going to talk soccer. I'm sorry, Tito. We're just not going to do it. Uh, well, that's probably going to come out of my mouth at some point, so you better be ready. <laughs> we we don't usually edit this uh, podcast. We may have to this week. Uh, Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How, how are you guys? We're all right. We're, we're recording this Saturday morning before the sun comes up, um, and the World Series is over. But not enough that the uh, you know free agency time period has opened, so there's really not just a ton that we can talk about here. Um, but so maybe just a you know a, a little hit, Alan. I know you you tend to follow the postseason baseball more than I do. What did you think of the World Series? Uh, for me, it was a little bit deflating. Um, in a situation where the Cardinals aren't in it, you guys know that I wanted to go as many games as possible just so you can see good baseball every night. Um, I felt like um, 
Well, the first two games were really good. You know, you had the walk off by by uh, you know the former Cardinal. You have a great pitching uh, performance by Kelly in the second game, and then things kind of fell apart for Arizona. And uh, you just wonder in a situation like this, you wonder if the best team won. You know, they they just have some superstars, and Seager's definitely a superstar. Um, but other than that, you know, what I'd like to, to see as many in these situations is them to go as many games as possible. And, and really games, uh, you know, four and five just, you know, weren't overly entertaining. So that's, uh, kind of a flame out to the season, but you know, just that's kind of been our, uh, 23, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, five was one nothing going into the ninth. So yeah, well, and I, I say that all, at the end. That, well, the, the you know recency bias, the end just outweighs it because sure, uh, sure. you know Gallon. I mean, no, six no hit innings. I mean, he was he was sensational, mm-hmm. and, and it was really really good up until the end. And then you know you have a good defensive team who has a big error, and and then then the home run, and it was really lackluster. I mean, I felt like the bats <laughs> were giving up there in the bottom half of the ninth of the of the fifth, and. You know, I mean, it, it, it would be a gut punch, no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what you think of the series and the and the postseason in general? Yeah, I. You know, I'll start with the postseason in general. Um, I I still thought, despite a uh, kind of lackluster World Series, I still thought the postseason uh, definitely had some high value, agreed, uh, agreed. high high entertainment value, especially you know considering. The Diamondbacks, who were a no one, um, then they have a really good year um, and and go into Milwaukee, take them down, take down their division rivals, you know, the the Dodgers who won 100 games and and the Diamondbacks who were 16 games back in their division, take them down, then to win a seven game series against, you know, Philadelphia, who, you know, everybody thought Philadelphia was going to beat them. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least, you know, in my opinion, Philadelphia had no business losing that series. Sure. Um, and then, you know, you get to the World Series and to be fair, you know, the the one word that comes to mind with the World Series is expected. I expected the te- Texas Rangers to beat them. I didn't think the Diamondbacks had the lineup considering what Texas had done to Houston <laughs> um, um, and their pitching, I just, I just didn't expect the Rangers to lose this series. Um, you know, I, I just thought, uh, it just, it just came out the way, uh, I think everybody, you know, was kind of just looking at it and saying like, okay, Texas is a better team. They should win this series. And then you move on. Um, unfortunately it just, you know, the world series, didn't quite live up to the rest of the postseason, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a good see, you know, a good series in any, in any way. Um, it just didn't pack as much punch. Um, so postseason, I give it a, a, a solid a, probably a minus, uh, world series. I probably give it a C C plus. Yeah. Well, well I, mean, it, go ahead, you know, I, well, I agree with that. And, and, and I, that's a really good point. The championship series were both so good mm-hmm. that that may have hurt the world series as well. You know, that's uh, that was a really good point. But if you would have told me that, that Arizona was going to go in and win six and seven mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, I was like, there's zero chance that's happening. zero you chance. Know, they, right. They won five just to push it. Yeah. I mean, and you got to think it's, it's the diamondbacks, 
no no offense to them it's it's just the facts they are not a well-followed team yeah. i mean everybody has seen the graphic at this point where the viewership of the world series has been the lowest it has been in uh whatever years but that's because it's the diamondbacks yeah uh it's i mean they have a great ball club. They've got some really, really good young talent. I think what over like eighty percent of their team was twenty three or younger. Mm-hmm. I mean that speaks volumes about what they can bring. Now they got to do it again for it to be consistent, obviously. But it's it's still the Diamondbacks. That viewership is just not there, uh, well, and, and so it just it. I think that hurts um, baseball. Not, you know, I'm glad they got in because, you know, we, we believe in the any team can win kind of motto, but it's, it's just the facts. Well, and I don't know how much you put that on. I mean, it's some on the Diamondbacks. It's also the Rangers. You've got two teams on, you know, the Western part of the the country that Mm -hmm. aren't, you know, Dallas is a big area, but still it's not, it's not New York. It's not LA. It's not Chicago, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's interesting it, it, to some of this comparison. It'll be interesting because, you know, you're not playing on. You know, it used to be that the game one, game two was Saturday, Sunday, right? Well, they've moved mm-hmm. that because they don't want yeah. to go up against football. You know, there's more people cutting cords that it becomes harder to watch mm-hmm. baseball, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, you know, I think that Max had some of the postseason. I happen to notice that on my on my account, but. I don't have any any cable or anything like that, so I didn't. I don't think I could have watched it if I if I tried to find the way. So there is a little bit of that too. It's it's very hard, and I mean every year it it drops off. So it's now granted you're right. A, a team like uh, Arizona doesn't necessarily pull in viewership like you know some others do, but um, it wasn't just that because I think if it had gone to seven games or or something like that, maybe that ticks up. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that y'all both, you know, give that high grade to the postseason, which is, is fair. But, you know, the championship series is the only series in an expanded postseason that went to the deciding game. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we had, you know, first round sweeps and and people getting out of there early. Um, it was which is a little bit different. I mean, not not that we've never seen it before, but to have only two winner take all games in the whole postseason, just a little strange. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you go back to the conversation, I think a lot of people were having early in the postseason, which was, okay, so the wild card teams seem to just be pouncing on, you know, the teams waiting in waiting essentially as mm-hmm. your division winners. Uh, I think if you're going to go with the narrative, like, you know, that has taken away from the postseason. I, I just respond back by you got to win your games. Yeah. I mean, that that's just the bottom line. The postseason is about winning as many games is winning the, the fastest amount of games possible. And if, if a team like the Diamondbacks goes into Milwaukee, takes two from them and then goes into, you know, Dodgers and takes three of them, you know, three from them mm-hmm. as quickly as they can. Good on them. It's not, it's not a, you know, that's, that's how it's supposed to be because you want your pitchers rested for the next series. Um, Do they have some advantage of having played because baseball is a game of rhythm momentum? I think there's some credit to that, 
But that does not take away from the fact that those other guys, uh, the guys that are waiting, still have to play nine innings and still, you know, be uh, part of the part of the postseason. So I, I even if even if people want to talk about, you know, it's it, you know, there's not enough postseason games are going on and whatnot, then ask the other teams why they didn't win. That's all I got to say. I mean, you can't you can't just pick and choose, you know, how long each series is going to go because you want your favorite team to go on there. If that's the case, I, I pick and choose the Cardinals to have a reset <laughs> button for 2023 and make it into the postseason and win as many games as they can. I, yeah. I don't I don't think you can I don't think you can uh, really shoot down the postseason too much because at the end of the day, it's up to the teams whether they win or not. And clearly some of them were not ready to play. And that's that's not on the teams that won. That's on the teams that lost. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reason you have the, the playoffs. I mean, yeah. otherwise you just take the top team and, and right. go on. Yeah. If you, and, if you, and if you want to have your know, best versus best, then you go back to the way it was till the 60s and the winner of the National League and the winner of the American League, and you just have one round of playoffs. But that's never going to happen because money. Money. And, <laughs> and, and keeping teams in it. I mean, there is there is an argument that, you know, there's a whole lot of people checking out in when you have now 30 teams. You know, if only two get to go, there's a whole lot of people checking out before June, you know. Or, um, or you go ahead and, and do what the uh, – or, or consider adopting – or adapting that wild card series to include everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. that's just the fact. I mean, if you're going to sit there and complain, if somebody is going to sit there and complain that the Dodgers, who won 100 games, don't make it past the division series because another team played before them, then adapt. Say they, that the Dodgers have to play in the wild card series. Well, yeah, they don't get I, a buy anymore. Yeah. Daniel, you know I've been preaching that eight in each league makes more so much more sense than six in each league for that reason right right there. You know the the uh, the better record hosts and yeah. that's and I agree. I mean that's I said it. I like the format in twenty twenty. I wish they would have kept that to where uh, we had the four first round games instead of the two. That's yeah. the wild card rounds. That's what I wish they would do. I, yeah, I, I just mean, I just think it 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 will beat that narrative of. You, uh, the only the only the teams that played before get to move on. It will beat that narrative. There will be no more excuses for that. I think that I remember when they were proposing this. And again, you're right. I'm I've never I don't like the expanded postseason. Yeah. We know, you you all know that. But it does. If you're going to expand, it makes much more sense to let everybody play in the first round because I do think there is a downside to having a team sit for. A, a week when you're not used to that. Um, but I do I remember mean, that there, there was an opportunity, or at least there was a suggestion. I don't know how far it got of this idea that the best team could either choose to buy or choose to play the series, like yeah. with completely at home or something like that, you know, that they would could play if they wanted to. Now I think they just kind of assumed that everybody would just take the buy um, and move on and not have to risk, you know, anything such as pitching up and all that kind of stuff. But I, you know, I wonder if they brought that back, how many teams after the last couple of years mm-hmm. might go ahead and try to choose to play that first round. Well, I mean, I, I think about it in the terms of the 20, 2006 World Series. The Cardinals, you know, we know the Cardinals went the distance with the New York Mets. And who was sitting idle 
waiting for that series to finish, the Detroit Tigers. And by the time the Tigers came to play, they were as flat as flat can be. And it was just very obvious. And when you have a team like the Cardinals, who's used to playing pretty much every day, their timing, their rhythm, their momentum was just there. And there was no stopping it. And I, and, I wonder, and I think it speaks it, that that moment in time feels like what's happening right now. And I wonder if we take this to a maybe a little bit larger extent. I mean, you look at Arizona, a team that had to fight all the way to get mm-hmm. into the playoffs, right? You watched the, the Rangers, who were in you know a a pitched battle all the way down, you know, to have a chance yeah. to even win their division. And you wonder if these teams that are, and we've talked, you know, and this is one of those, it's almost narratively, I think maybe somewhat been disproved, but it still feels like, you know, if you're playing meaningful games, at least at the end of September, maybe that prepares you better for continuing in October versus, I mean, you know what the Dodgers, what did the Dodgers win by? Uh, uh, 16 games. Yeah. So, you know, their whole September, they're resting people, they're getting mm-hmm. people tuned up, they're healing. And there's benefit to that as well. But it is sometimes hard to then, you know, flip the switch and get going at the same level that you were playing at, you know, earlier on, especially when you're playing against better competition. So let me ask you this, though. When Mike Schilt gave those players a day off at the very end of the season in, I think, 21, um, when they were coming off that 17 game win streak, then they had that day off. That was one day. And then they were right into the playoffs a few days later. And then they fell flat then too. So I I just feel like if you're going to play meaningful games or or if you want to play meaningful games, just play. Don't, don't worry about the rest because the rest will come, but you just got to go out and play. I, I, I feel like the, this whole narrative of load management, especially from the NBA, but this 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 era of rest and all this stuff, it's like, look, baseball baseball was meant to be played the way it is. Every day for six months, it's a marathon. Don't get me wrong. Yes, you do have to rest. But a lot of it comes down to your timing and just the feel of the game, the rhythm of the game. And if you're going to disrupt the rhythm of the game, then you're going to lose that. That's how it works. I mean, that's, it's just, it's a, we all know it and and we're just upset. People are upset because their favorite team couldn't get past a a dot, you know, a diamondbacks team who won 84 games. That's just the facts. Alan, what do you think about that? No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I agree with every bit of it and it's uh you know, we talk about kind of kind of backing in. I mean, Texas was two and four their in their last six. Mm-hmm. Had lost the division. Had to fly all the way across the country from Seattle to Tampa, and that's where it started. And whether that's the motivating factor or not, they played the whole time and came out. And like I said, they were decided fat favorites in the in the World Series. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's to play play it out to the string. I think that that's hurt the Dodgers in the past years. I mean. When are the Dodgers going to start getting looked at like the Braves, essentially? And the fact that they've only won one, and they've had the best record. What they've won it eight years in a row, right? Oh, yeah. The yeah. division. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's yeah, longer the same than that, I think. Yeah. But yeah, they're definitely the they're definitely the Braves of the early nineties. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, Tito, what's the early nineties? Yeah, what's the early nineties? Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> 
back when baseball was real. Um, but um, uh, yeah, they, the they, they had that. When they, the Cardinals were real, really bad. Uh, <laughs> the brewery yeah. did not help them. This is, yeah, this is yeah, true. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. And the one year they win is 20, which is a short season. Asterisk. And, you know, I, yeah, I hate to put too much on it, but there is some, I mean, you'd still want it. Right. But, yeah. but there is that shorter season and, you know, people not having to deal with that. So, um, yeah, I do think that in one, the Schultz situation that you were referring to, at least the one I remember, maybe there's a different one, but the one you remember, it was like the end of a really strong April. They had the day, everybody took the day off and then everything cratered after that. Yeah. I, I think that was a little bit more narrative than that. Uh, one day should not be that much. I do think you got to stagger your guys. And I think that, you know, it, it gets to the point where, if you're doing the load management type of thing, which I understand is, is a maybe controversial thing, but if you're doing it all year long, then you're probably, that is the way baseball is being played right now. I mean, right. I mean, it used to be that starters went, you know, seven, eight innings on a regular and they don't do that anymore. And, you know, baseball evolves and, and we'll see if this is a, a thing that, that baseball evolves too, or it's something that, you know, like the yellow baseballs that Chuck Finley tried, uh, doesn't last stick around very long. Um, so the I don't fear, know, but the it, fear of injury has crippled the sport. It has yeah. crippled the sport because of, especially pitchers, Tommy John, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what look what has happened to Shohei Otani. He, you know, he has he has a great rookie year. Goes and gets Tommy John. Has another great year. Now he's on mm-hmm. Tommy John again, and he says he's yeah. going to be ready to hit. But how has that impacted his market? Which sure. teams will go for him? Um, I mean, it's just the fear of injury. I, I and I understand it. Um. Uh, but at some point, you have to buck up and say, look, you could get hurt today. You could get hurt tomorrow. I still got to play, you know, 162 games and win uh, and win as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I don't know that we've got enough to, to, to really tie into how much usage and injury tie together. Right. I mean, somebody, you know, Steven Strasburg was a guy that yeah. was, you know, baby dog i don't want to say baby but they were they kind of put him in in bubble wrap quite a much and he still got hurt quite a bit um but they were but but what i would say to that is is if you put too much in bubble wrap and not let him play he's going to get hurt like there there is muscle usage there's muscle repetition that um, that comes with that that strengthens the body and if you're going to put him in bubble wrap you might as well just put him on a shelf and say okay you look pretty and that's an argument, and that is true. I mean, there obviously were different styles of pitching. You know, you know when they had pitchers going three hundred and something innings, they also weren't throwing hundred miles an hour either. True. Um, you know, the 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 stresses on the body throwing overhand is not a natural thing, and people mm-hmm. got hurt then. We just didn't necessarily know it, right? It was a dead arm, or you know, just was all of a sudden was ineffective and out of the league. They didn't do some of these surgeries and stuff like that. So, yeah. It's it's an interesting. It it is a time where baseball is kind of shifting and and changing, and you know what it'll look like in twenty years is it may not be anything recognizable to this. Who knows? Well, yeah, and when, when you bring up the injury, when you bring up the injury concerns, I I, I stay out of it because we can get in the weeds really quickly on this. <laughs> Some of it, well, on my level, 
Right. I mean, I, I have to watch it so much of, of of usage of the kids, and I and I appreciate it. And there are studies out there that show that uh, that these things happen, you know, and that, that injuries happen. But they're they. You're right. There's an element of these injuries did happen. We just didn't know it because we didn't have the technology on mm-hmm. the medical side to pick these things up. But on the back side, what what doesn't get noticed is the ideology to get paid, to get to colleges, to get to the league is you have to play, you have to play in these travel leagues where you're playing 200 games a year. Mm-hmm. And that turns into the AAU, a basketball type situation. And it's ugly and that's uh, unregulated. And that's why some of these guys are coming through and the mileage on some of these kids arms is, is unheard of where on the, uh, on the high school level, you know, I measured out and I can get in deep trouble by going over these pitch counts while during the summer teams, they definitely can't. And it, it's a problem. And that's, that's part of, I think it's a, a problem with baseball growth in general of some of the things that are happening on these summer leagues and, and going on behind the scenes. And yeah, it can, it can get really long, the things that we talk about, but a lot of the baseball growth problems stem from some of the things that have happened at, you know, outside of, you know, at, outside of the typical recreational American Legion leagues that we, we all played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's a, it, one. I wanted to ask you, Alan, have you had anybody or know of anybody in your high school league that has had Tommy John? I wouldn't know. No. In, in our bubble. No, I haven't. Now we, I, some of the teams that, that are in our district, you know, I would be surprised if we had, honestly, Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, we have a couple of, of teams that we play that, uh, you know, kind of, us, you know, our state mandates that we have to play every two years that are knocking on state tournament door every year. And they have kids that play a ton of games in the summers, but I wouldn't think, I wouldn't know off the top of my head. And I know that it's never affected anything that we've a, a done mm-hmm. in our program yeah. or be done against us. That injury has been, it has set somebody down. I will say that. Because, I mean, you know, we hear so much about these people doing this, um, you know, younger and younger. That- mm-hmm. I, I will tell you this. Of all my times in medical sales before coaching, the only Tommy John I did on a player was an Arkansas pitcher. And it was, gosh, it had to have been 15 years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't I, – it's not as common here. I think the ones that, that – uh, I mean, they happen, but, I mean, it's it's – it's it's rare. I mean, I even of, of all the sports medicine I covered, I I very rarely saw one, and I only saw one on one active baseball player. You also said something that makes me think about it, and maybe we need to talk to, to Tito about this because he's going to have to deal with this pretty soon, most likely. <laughs> um, is how much is this travel baseball? You know, playing all the time, burning out. A generation of fans. I mean, obviously there's some of these kids that just live, breathe baseball. That's all they want to do. And especially at seven, eight, nine, maybe that's what they're, they're going to do. But you know, as they get older, is, is that a, a factor in maybe not reaching the younger people because they've kind of gotten, you know, burned yeah. out on it. I mean, Tito, what do you think? I mean, you're going to, you know, Leo's getting that, getting to that point where you mm-hmm. might have to start thinking about it. I mean, I don't know if he's got any talent. Maybe he's better than his father, but, <laughs> um, you know, what, what do you think about the extensive like travel league balls and such? I, you know, I, I live by 
my wife and I have agreed because she knows how intense I can be about sports. So <laughs> this is probably a fault of mine. But we have agreed that, you know, if Leo doesn't want to do it, I'm not going to force him to do yeah. it. Good. Yeah. And for me, when I see all these travel teams, would I like to, him to be a part of one? I think so. I think that helps him develop. I think if he wanted to play baseball, if he wanted to be good, he has to be on one of those travel teams. Mm. It's just a fact. They play better competition. You're expected to play. And, you know, obviously, if you want to play in high school, you're going to have to be one of the best people out there, one of the best nine that they can uh, afford. And in an area like mine in Edwardsville, um, baseball is, is highly, highly regarded. Um, uh, the high school team has won the state championship in back-to-back years, uh, mm-hmm. three out of the last five years. Um, you know, I played I played for, uh, you know, the Edwardsville team as well. And there is a very, very high emphasis on sports in general in this area, but yeah. baseball is probably one of the bigger markets of talent that southern illinois has that rarely people talk about um so for me i approach it in a in a in a way of if he likes it we'll shoot for it if he is very like you know what i don't want to play i'd rather do something else if he wants to play soccer if he wants to play basketball fine that's cool with me i just want him active yeah Uh, because I'm, i'm also jaded by the fact that what is it? The the I, I can't remember the statistic, but it's like less than one percent of all college players even get it to the big league. So the chances of him being big league talent, it's not worth me putting him in a situation where he's gonna burn out and hate a sport that I love. Yeah. I can already tell you're much more sensible than than a lot of the parents that do this are though. And you've thought it out. Um, if I will say there is, there's an underlying tone of the playoffs that gets talked about a lot. That's it's shooting directly at an area of fan slash baseball slash young player. And they do it in kind of a, uh, in the way that they're, they're be, they've been much more open about. I, the only way that I can put this is all the broadcasters, all the coaches and everything, every chance they get is to do not specialize. Yeah. Play yeah. everything. Play everything you can. It helps you compete. It helps you develop. That's that's the direction that that the professional sports want to go want to go. And then they want to highlight the fact that almost every one of the athletes that play in a World Series type played another sport. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want. The 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 issue that I feel like and and anybody listening to this is going to come at me and say, well, you're just bitter because you don't get this kind of talent where you are. And that's not what it is. The The yeah. fact that these kids and these parents are spending upwards of $10,000 a summer running all over the country playing wherever, which is a great experience for the kid. Most of those kids don't even play in high school because they just hate it so much by the time mm-hmm. they get there. You know, and that's that's where things get scary. And I think that... that I've made a I I brought up the AAU basketball type stuff because that's gotten really dirty, and I feel like that's where that's where the the some of these travel baseball leagues are going. That it's I mean I have seen 
here's something as both of you guys are academics. I'll tell you a story. I have a kid that plays for us that's probably one of my better ones that could may have a chance to play some Juco ball or some smaller school ball. I can go into several details why he can't, but he does have talent that other kids don't. His grades are terrible. His attendance at school is worse. And he still has these JCs t- texting him saying, hey, you, we would take you talent alone without calling anybody at the school. And it's one of those that it is such a talent grab that they're overlooking mm-hmm. the most important things. And I hate to say it, kids of that ilk are going to get on campus and be a cancer. And that's mm-hmm. that's where we are right now with some of these leagues. And it's and it's and it's funneling into the junior college ranks. Yeah. And I mean, and again, that's just not necessarily good for the health of the game. I mean, long term, it, it definitely brings more people into it and people have a, 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 a knowledge of the game. But if you get burned out, I mean, it's just not yeah. something that you ever uh, you want to do. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd be, I, I'd be interested. I haven't really seen anything about that kind of connection, but it would be interesting to see how many people that play those travel balls, you know, stay with baseball, you know, as a fan or, you know, go into something else just because they don't want to be reminded of that time in their life. I don't know. <laughs> I, I will tell you the most fun I had playing baseball was American Legion ball. Oh, with that. Summer. Oh, yes. I talk about it all the time. It was the most fun I had because it was the least amount of pressure that I felt while I was actually playing. Yeah. And um, I want that for Leo. Sure. And I want that for, you know, my second kid who's shortly going to be here soon. But I, I want that experience of baseball for my sons. I don't want them to think that you know, every day is live, eat, breathe, sleep, baseball. That's not how I want to raise them. I want them to enjoy whatever they want. And I've always said, even if Leo comes up to me and says, you know, I want to be an actor, well, be the best damn actor that you can be. Yeah. Like, that's all I care about. Like, if, if that's what you want to do. And and the there are people out there that will listen to this and say, well, I still think my son or my daughter is going to be the best, you know, college player in the world. Cool. I hope they get there, but realize that it's not for everybody. And you as a parent have to understand that there is a limit and you can't just walk into a situation where you think to yourself, I'm going to push my kid to the limit every single day. And as soon as he wakes up at eight o'clock or she wakes up at eight o'clock, we're going to the ball, you know, the diamond and he's and where I'm going to hit a hundred ground balls so that he knows what to do. or She knows what to do every single second of every game. Like that, that just is not how you go away about developing somebody sports wise. Uh, it just, it, it I, I'm just trying to, I, I'm trying to use my experiences of what I what I went through as a as a kid and as a player, and I just want to hone it so that my sons understand there's more to life than just baseball, and there's more to life than just sports. Yes, you can be a great fan, you can you can be on Twitter and and rack up a bunch of followers and have them laugh with you and cry with you and be happy with you. But at the end of the day, there's more to life than all of that. And so you yeah. just need to experience everything that you can 
so that you know what you want to do in life and, and be good at that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, a lot of these athletes that make it to the top, it, they're not necessarily great people either, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Because they're so focused on this and because they have to be this way that, you know, that mindset is, is, doesn't translate very well to, you know, actual human behavior. Look at what Julio Urias is going through right now. All the talent in the world wasted because he can't, because he can't be a good person. Right. Yeah. And that's sad. That's not the kind of, that's not the kind of uh, sons that I want. No, not at all. And if it's, you know, obviously the, the money is nice, but that's again, not everything. So, right. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right. Well, we've gone over half an hour. We hadn't even touched the Cardinals yet. So uh, maybe that's a good thing. Um, The Cardinals season is obviously been over for a long, long time. Very little transactions. I noticed the Cardinals have moved all five of their sixty-man uh, guys back to the to the forty-man. Um, Drew Verhagen liked a free agency. There's been some waivers. There's I, I've forgotten probably two or three spots on the forty-man right now. I'd have to go back and double check. Nothing has happened as of yet that's of any great import. Um, we're still in that time period that five five day period where of the after the world series where nothing's going to happen but hopefully sunday money we start seeing some activity you know alan i think we may have talked about this before but i mean do you think between now and the end of november the cardinals have a new player on their roster uh, we talked about how quick we think that they would get out and maybe get in front of things we're th- maybe even quickly after the gm meetings in that that time frame between the GMs and the winter meetings, just to see some some movement, um, you know, I I would like to say that they're going to be aggressive and they're going to set the market, but I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm growing less and less confident that's going to happen. You know, I'm more curious now to see if we even hear of a press conference where they're announcing the staff coming back and whatnot. You know, since the series is over, now it's prime time for some of those things to happen. A question I did have. Do you guys know the answer to this at all? You know, employee contracts used to run October through October. Does that change now since the World Series is set out longer? Well, it's interesting you say that. I don't think so, no. Okay. Um, They didn't. Let's put it that way. There was a story out this week about how baseball was going away from the standard contract for – front office or anything like that. And basically allowing teams to create their own Oh, in part because of liability issues that yeah. in theory, that way they couldn't sew the whole league. Um, but so as of right now they were, but and most teams will probably continue to keep, keep the same kind of thing, but you could see some contracts that are, that are different, but yeah, it's, it's typically still October 31st. And then people probably just work without a contract or roll, you know, 
or something like that. If you know when the World Series runs long, yeah, yeah. Tito, what, sure. what are you thinking? Yeah. Oh gosh, um, man, I I would love to say yes to this question. Um, yeah, I would really love to say yes to this question. I I I will say I think it depends on the position that you're talking about. Um, starting pitching, I just I don't see a starting pitcher being signed by November, um, at the end of November, mainly because not, not necessarily due to the Cardinals. It's because right. the player has to do their own due diligence and they'd be a fool to just take the best, you know, an offer right away. Um, you obviously are going to want to wait to see which teams are truly in your market and which are truly not in your market. Um, I could see them adding a very fringe player. I know Jordan Hicks's name has been tossed around a lot recently. Um, a lot of steam with a possible reunion. So I could see a player like that. Would you consider that a new player, Daniel? I mean, still a new player because he's technically not a Cardinal right now. Okay. So yes, okay. Would. So I, I could see a player like Jordan Hicks. Um, you know, I could see, the, you know, there's that Japanese pitcher, the reliever, Matsui, mm-hmm. I think is his mm-hmm. last name. Yeah. Uh, there's a name. lot of steam with that. I could see something like that being announced by the end of November. But if we're talking marquee player, like this is the we're planting our flag moment. No, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I think that that's you're right. That the, the big names probably aren't going to be until the, the winter meetings and stuff like that. I think Matsui is an interesting one. If you want to get all conspiracy theory on it, uh, which I know Tito probably does, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, I love a good conspiracy. That's right. The Cardinals that want, and, and, and I don't know that it gets brought up as much, but it feels like at the time that they signed Adolis Garcia, it was in the process of them heavily recruiting Luis Robert, who mm-hmm. obviously went, eventually went to the White Sox. Um, but Garcia was either, I can't remember if they were actually were friends or they were, you know, same background. There was some idea that that would help with the familiarity uh, and maybe give them a little bit of an edge in the negotiations. Obviously it did not work. Um, but I'm wondering if my conspiracy theory would be, I'm hoping that they would sign Matt Sui to give them just one more edge in the Yamamoto series. Now, again, that's always going to come down to money. Um, but it was interesting to me to see, you know, John Barossi, who national writer, uh-huh. uh, put the Cardinals in that conversation as one of the, how was it phrased? Heaviest suitors or something like that. Uh, top suitors, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cardinals. And, I know we've all kind of been talking about Yamamoto a lot, but I don't know. It's just interesting to me that maybe there's a little bit more to that, or maybe the Cardinals are willing to go that route. Um, in I don't, I don't know. I mean, how much credence Allen do you give something like that? Um, well, I think the links are going to be there between every starting pitcher <laughs> in the Cardinals this year. And, Which is fair, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, no, I agree. And the um, um, the Morosi the Morosi comment doesn't really move the needle to me much, just because I think that this off season is going to be a media dream 
because mm-hmm. and agent scream because how many years in a, do you hear the Yankees, Red Sox, Cardinals as all being heavy pursuers for people? Right. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like you're just like they're you've never seen a situation where they're on their back and they have to go get people. So those three are going to be linked to just about everybody. The the the, uh, the 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 foreign route is something that makes a lot of sense for me with the Cardinals though, just because I feel like they can they can manipulate that angle more to where to where their mindset normally is in signing these things than to go out and give two hundred million to Nola, you know, which I would love to see happen. But I just I feel like that will be the things that they turn over first before we hear of anything big happening. Um, Nola being linked to St. Louis already, as heavily as it is, tells me that's probably not going to happen, which kind of concerns me. But then you're thinking, well, you know, are you getting that? Is this going to be a trouble contract as well? I I don't think it would be in the Rodan or in the Rodan mix, which I, I hesitated from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I I just think that they're going to be involved in just about everything and every angle. I you know I. I Kyle had a Kyle Reese had a really good tweet yesterday, and I can't remember the three names that he brought up, but he was like, "It's it's funny how much better they would be just by signing these three, and even if they miss out on some of the guys that they should sign." And one was Kenta Maeda, and I can't remember the other the other two. But then I was like, you know, that makes a ton of sense, and that's kind of where I feel like they may end up, unfortunately, with some of those. As far as I thought, Tito had a great point on the Hicks deal. I could see them building from the back and bringing up first and going heavy reliever early and then going to the winter meetings really ready to shoot to fire something off for mm-hmm. a starter yeah i'm trying to pull i saw that tweet from kyle too i was trying to well it was one of, it was a you. former uh, lugo marley and, and May, yeah May. yeah exactly and you know what and unfortunately you know i i kind of like all three of them that's probably why mm-hmm. i said that because miley's one of those i never really gave enough credit for being good and then I knew Lugo was really tough to hit because, you know, of the pitch mechanics and the Rapsodo stuff. I, you know, it, it's one of those where bring him in. I think we would probably be a fan of him. But those also aren't the sexy names that are going right. to, you know, move the needle as much as some people want that to happen. How do you think they're going to do this um, this winter? Are, are they going to do the, you know, three solid pieces that help or are they going to try to make that splash? Yeah, I, I think you gotta you gotta follow the breadcrumbs. I think I mean at least if you're if you're speaking to Derek Gould, he will tell you that he wrote it about six months ago and that you should right. be following it for. It's fine because he'll retweet time. it five times. That's right. Day, so it's no big deal. So I, I try and stick to the breadcrumbs here. I'm gonna go back to Matsui because I do think there is some some credence to. The mm-hmm. fact that they're so heavily linked, yeah. uh, I think you also have to put it in the context of that the Cardinals have actually done pretty well in the Asian market, um, yeah. and you know, f- what for whatever you think of Miles Michaelis, it's not like he yeah. hasn't been, you know, bad. I mean, he ha- he has not really been that bad. Yes, he's yeah. had a couple down years, but he had a really, really good year that first year coming out of uh, the Asian market. Um, and that's why he got his extension. Now, obviously, a couple years later, and you know he's a little bit more worn down, that has changed, but that was still a success. Um, you know, and we're, and we're the final boss, uh, Sung Hwan Oh. I mean, he was he was pretty good too. So there is some there is some precedence for the Cardinals to find talent in the Asian market and bring them over. Now, 
the big hurdle obviously is the Japanese market in St. Louis is so minuscule um, that you know, attracting big names like you know Yamamoto. Um, I don't even want to brush on Shohei Otani because it's not going to happen. No. But if you were to you know go that route. I, I, I see what you're saying, Daniel, in, in building some familiarity and like you could pair a Matsui and a Yamamoto together because I'm sure those guys know each other very well. And I'm sure obviously having a large newt bar playing on Team Japan isn't by coincidence sometimes either. Um, right. and I'm sure him and uh, Arnado being in Japan at the same time is no coincidence either. <laughs> I agree. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yep. you know, you, you see smoke, there's also fire. Um, but I, I think there is a there is a chance that I, I would be very confident in the Matsui deal more than a starting pitcher at this point. Right. Um, now, I think also... You also have to follow the breadcrumbs that I don't think people are putting into the stock how much the Cardinals are probably going to trade for a starting pitcher. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of focus has been on, oh, I want to sign Aaron Nola. Oh, I want to sign mm-hmm. Sonny Gray. Oh, I want to sign Eduardo Rodriguez. And while that's all fine and dandy, money is still an object. And we know how this front office operates. We know how the owner operates. Yes, they said that they're going to go get three starting pitchers, but they never said how they were going to get those starting right. pitchers. And so that's where I think you you can start to pick and point. Sure, they can go get Aaron Nola, and sure, they can go get Yamamoto, but where's that third starting pitcher going to come from? And, you know, the, the talk is, you know, glass now. I think that would be great. But... Then the narrative of this whole, well, we're trading with the Rays again. Are we going to get hosed by that too comes into play. And that's where I start to kind of bat my eyes and say, really, that's, that's the conversation we're going to be having now is we're too afraid to trade for somebody because we've been burned in the past. Like you got to get over that because obviously nobody else is going to let you forget it because of Garcia and Rosarena and everybody else that does well when they leave St. Louis. Right. And I think at least at least in the trade here with the Rays, one, you know, they're selling the established thing, and mm-hmm. I think it wouldn't cost as much. You know, you're probably not giving up at a Rosarena or something like that. And you know, because even when Rosarena left, we knew that he was a prospect. We didn't know that he was this prospect, and he wasn't right. this prospect. I think it's fair to say that you know the work that he did during the pandemic changed him significantly but mm-hmm. um but yeah i think last night makes a lot of sense um for trade purposes because i think if you're willing to take on that salary or at least a lot of it you won't have to give up a lot uh mm-hmm. to go to the race. i do think that if they're going to get a top of the rotation guy though it's going to have to it's going to have to come with the free agent market because i don't think they're going to want to get a top of rotation guy by a trade you're losing a gorman you're losing a, a yeah there's and they don't there's no that. other option there is no yeah. other option. Like it's literally your one, your number one guy will be a free agent pitcher, and you just have to make your bed with it if he if right. it doesn't work out because yeah. it could very well happen that way. And and that's the thing. What I'm talking about with the fans, the expectation is that the fan says, "Go buy this player 
okay, I bought said player, and now he has fizzled out. Don't get mad at me because the player does not perform the way that they're supposed to perform when I paid for what they've done in the past. Right. Yeah. But that's cyclical in nature because that's all we ever think about is that because they didn't do what they are supposed to do, it's the ownership's fault and not the Mm. other way around. Yeah. That's a great point. There was a, there's a whole heck of a lot of Mets and Yankees fans last February. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they were fired up with how things worked and that went ugly quickly, but no. And I think you, you pointing to the trade market, it speaks volumes for a couple of things. Just after a season like this, there probably will need to be a culture shift at some point. And that's, it was funny because the line came out of, uh, well, we're going to get rid the Marmol speaking of, I don't know how he worded it, but basically players that don't want to bad apples. Players, yeah, players that don't want to be there because yeah, of them, exactly. get rid of the bad apples type situation. I think we know who he's talking about. There's probably a pretty good chance <laughs> of that happening. So there's going to be a lot of that moving around, and that will be it, to get to get the people that we think that they're going to get. I would assume would cost Walker or Gorman, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a lot of churn off that roster, regardless, to bring some people in. So I was glad you pointed to the trade route because that's often forgotten when we hear some of these names that were going to be on the market that for money alone. I do think it's, I mean, to go back a little bit to probably my hobby horse for the winter until it gets taken away from me, mm-hmm. um, Yamamoto, yeah. it is interesting that the Cardinals are being tied to him because in the past, you know, I think back to Bryce Harper, right? And there was really no indication that the Cardinals were trying to try for Bryce Harper. Uh, we, we advocated for it quite hard uh-huh. and um, everything like that. And then, of course, we remember the... A uh, very famous Fox uh, small yeah. video that came out afterwards saying, "Give Dexter Valley a chance." You don't want Bryce Harper, um, but you know they're just really. There's been a lot of times where we've seen like the Cardinals should go after this guy or this guy or this guy, and it feels like a good fit and all that. But there really isn't that kind of interest. I mean, maybe some surface level interest, but nothing serious. It does feel like from some of the reporting that they're at least looking here. Now, are they going to get outbid by Mets or Yankees or somebody like that? Probably. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like they are serious about making this change. And I think that's, you know, that's only a good sign for this offseason, that this isn't going to be business as usual because the results were not business as usual. Well, you have to be creative. It, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just a simple thing. Because of the money aspect that you're talking about, Daniel, You know, I can guarantee you, New York is going to be an Aaron Nola's market. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just a fact there. He's already on the East coast. He's familiar with the East division. I could easily see Aaron Nola being in a Mets uniform next year. Um, But the only thing that I will say about the Mets is that they've already come out and said that this is more of like a two, three year project for them. So there is that working against New York. Now, that doesn't mean that they couldn't sign him to a long-term deal and like, okay, he's still part of that two, three-year project. Um, Whereas New York Yankees, it's more like, okay, we need to win now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and to some degree, the Cardinals are in that kind of camp too because of how bad 2023 is, or was, I should say. because it was so bad, Mosaloc is in a, I have to win because otherwise 
he's gone. There's, I mean, I, I, I truly feel that way. I feel like if he does not, if the team does not perform, Mosaic is probably not going to be here next, you know, at the end of the year. Um, not, and that's not to say that I don't think he can turn the ship around, but you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta put up. And, and part of that is accepting that your, your market can be limited and you have to get creative with trades. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Herrera be dealt. Not that I want him to, because I think he can be a good player, but you also have value in some of these players that are on your 40 man roster that you don't need. Yeah. You can move away from Herrera because it's very clear you weren't giving him a chance anyway. This is, it feels like Carson Kelly all over again. Um, you're well, not going to yeah. give him a chance. You need to move on and get as much value as you can, uh, uh, as you can out of it. And if that's, you know, if, if you approached me and said, I'll trade you, uh, Avon Herrera for glass now, right now, just those two mm-hmm. players sign, sign it. I'd be done and, and move on. Yeah. I mean, it, it might even not take that, but you're right. If that, if that was the case, I think, I think that's true because, you know, Herrera's, ca- Herrera's case was complicated significantly with the signing of Contreras. Mm-hmm. Contreras isn't here, then sure. I mean, you put him as their starter and Contre- and Kisner as your backup, and and you're good to go. Uh, you know, Kisner is a really good backup, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I know not, not everybody is in that camp. Um, but well, not, I feel like- not, not when he's compared to Yachty, okay? That's that's the only thing I, I have a gripe <laughs> with. When everybody's all like Captain Kisner and he's – He's the best thing that's happened to the Cardinals at the catching position. I'm just like, okay, what are we doing here? Yachty? Yeah. Who's who's this Yachty guy? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't remember. Uh I don't remember that guy. Um, Oh, we're going to talk about him. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I just don't know that Herrera is, you know, I don't think you want to replace Kisner with Herrera because he's just going to back up Contreras. And, and, you know, again, there's in a couple of years maybe, and so – You've got another option year on Herrera. Maybe you do that, but it also you run the risk of you know running out of value on, on Herrera. Yeah. So I, I I think that that's a fair case to be made as well. Alan, where, where do you what do you think? Yeah, no, all great points, and I mean that's stuff that we have talked about of of uh, yeah, for a long time of just keeping the uh, keeping the excess of things that you may not necessarily need, and you know. <laughs> We talk about the the hurt of not necessarily the hurt of you know losing Kelly. Well, Kelly's a, he doesn't have a job yeah. right now. You know what I'm saying? And that that's that speaks to hey, don't hold on too long. You know, sit type of situation. So yeah, agreed completely. And you're it is funny the uh, the prisoner of the moment type situation of uh, of Kisner. You know, when he was kind of the saving grace, just because I didn't think that the post dispatch did. Contreras any favors by throwing him under the bus right away. No. Yeah. Nobody did anybody any favors by making any of that public, by making everything about Contreras in the first place. Like if, if, if we knew going into the season that 2023 was going to be the year of Contreras being a scapegoat for how bad things were going, I would have said, don't sign him because I I would have, I would have just said, just trade for Sean Murphy and and cut your losses because it, it would not have been worth the heartache that it became to be. Now, obviously, you know, obviously I like Contreras. I think he's a great player and I always have, but 
this this idea that you know we can't move players because of certain things because we're afraid you know Contreras is not going to be the catcher. You signed him to be the catcher. Mm-hmm. That was your that was your decision to make that choice. And if you're if you're not going to sit by that, then you might as well move him too. You might as well say, you know what? I'll trade I'll trade Contreras too and, and get and 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 go full rebuild and tell the fans, you know what? We messed up. And we're going full rebuild at this point. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I and they're not going to do that because no. they're too proud of that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, and I mean, and that's a little bit of a knee jerk reaction to some degree too. But sure, uh, sure, no, from no, from, from office, and and I, that's not something they want to do. And I think that's good. All right. I mean, we don't want. We've seen front offices that just kind of, you know, if this isn't working, then they scramble around. In fact, that's some of what the Cardinals had to do this year, and it didn't work out very well. So, <laughs> uh, and that whole situation was, was probably part of it. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, we're getting close to the hour mark. I do want to give Tito two opportunities. One, Alan and I have already discussed this idea that Yadier Molina could be returning as a Ooh. some sort of coach. Um, Tito seems to have some opinions on, on Yadier Molina. So mm. I will let him speak on this issue. Well, I, I'm going to go off of, I think he will be a coach. Now the capacity is to be determined, but I, you know, again, this is following breadcrumbs. Polo Asensio has come out and pretty much said that it's like a 95% guarantee the way Yadier Molina speaks about it, it's almost like a 95% guarantee. So at some at in some capacity, Yadier Molina will be a coach on the St. Louis Cardinals staff. That being said, there's only two positions that Yadier Molina will want. And that's either the manager's position or the second in command. <laughs> and I think based off of what I understand. I think he will probably take the bench role because he has a lot of respect for Ali Marmol and they have talked about how much respect Yadier Molina has for Ali Marmol. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be on this ship and saying like, because the Cardinals signed Yadier Molina, Ali Marmol is now a lame duck. And it probably is going to be that way. But I, I really, truly think Yadier Molina does have a lot of respect for Ali Marmol. So I, if he is going to be on the St. Louis Cardinals staff, I do expect it as the bench coach. Um, I just don't know if that's what I want. Yeah. I, and, and I say that because, one, is it too soon? Because it's not like he was, you know, it's only been one year since he's, you know, been playing. It's not like it's been five years where he's had a ton of experience. Yes, he managed Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic and he's managing winter leagues and stuff like that. He's getting his experience and that's good. The second part to me is, is when it goes bad, where is that relationship? Right, right. (laughs) Because inevitably it will go bad and for a franchise icon like Yadier Molina, I am not going to sit by and watch people try and crap on him when they tried crapping on him for the last five years. 
as a player and do the same thing as a manager. I, I will not, I will not stand for it because you can't claim one day uh, we need Yadier Molina to manage this team and, and bring us back to glory. And then two years later say, Oh, well not that kind of glory. Mm. And, and that's where I get nervous about bringing him on the staff because I just don't want the relationship between a, a franchise icon and a city to be ruined because people can't handle losing games when baseball is about failure. Like that's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I, that, that is one of the things that we've discussed <laughs> as well is that idea that, you know, when, what happens if, when, because that's the, that's the nature of managing yeah. is when they need to fire Yadier Molina. Um, it's not going to go well. Yeah. I'll tell no, you that much. No. Not um, his person. It's his personality. I mean, he's a fiery dude. We all know it. It's just you. You. If you're expecting anything different, then you've not. You've never seen him play. You yeah. are literally blind to everything that you ever know about Yadier Molina. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a difficult it's, thing. And it's, it's a fine line it's a, that you're walking. Yeah. And and, and that's not to say like that they shouldn't walk it, but you have to know what you're doing Mm -hmm. because bringing in Yadier Molina is essentially saying, Ali Marmol, if you don't do your job this year, you are going to be fired (laughs) and, and Yadier Molina will be the manager. And then we'll have to find another bench coach, which will probably be his brother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, brother? That's a bad thing either, but are you going to, are you bringing a Jose in? Because mm, Benji's too busy with the radio. Yeah, uh, I mean, I could see. Well, yeah, because Jose's already been managing with Yadier Molina. See, there you go. Um, so I, I just think it's a very, very fine line that the organization has to walk because they're and 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 this is more Yadi than it is the 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 organization. Yadi is very, very particular about his role. Mm-hmm. He, again, he is either the he is either in charge or he's not. And even as a bench coach, I'm sure he will have some degree of being in charge. So you have to understand that when you do this kind of move, there is a certain expectation that that person has. And if you don't meet that expectation, he's going to walk away. And there's nothing you can do about it. Hate him. Love him. If he does not get what he wants, he will not be there. So you just have to be ready for that. Yeah, I think that, you know, even though it may not be what he would think would be the best, the best for all parties if he is like some sort of catching coach or some sort of, you know, focused coach that maybe doesn't mm-hmm. have to do it all the time mm-hmm. um, because that's a situation where he can't even go and do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't, and it's not a situation where. Right, time can hold team. Yeah, and the and the the results of the team are not sitting on on his shoulders. So, um, but I I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that all works out um, in the long term. I I, I don't know. So. Uh, I'm nervous for it to be honest. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I you know you guys know that I love Yachty. Um, yeah. It just it just makes me nervous that the uh, uh, organization is turning to him so quickly after he left retired. Um, it just, it, to me, it, it speaks to the desperation of the team 
um, in a moment where the light is not on and it, it yeah. just, it's really, really tough. It, it's a tough situation. And, you know, if it works out, yeah, obviously it'll be one of the best moves that, you know, St. Louis has done in a really long time, but even if they continue to lose or, you know, even if they finish at 500 next year, uh, people will still be questioning and, and rightfully so I get it, but you know, unless they win the division next year. I feel like people are going to call it a failure of a season, no matter what. Really good possibility. And, and again, it's, you're right. It's difficult to separate the Yachty, the player from if he was Yachty, the coach, Yachty, the manager. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there could be legitimate criticisms of how he ran a bullpen or anything like that. Um, But they're always going to be, somewhat um colored by what he did on the field so yep different situation all right and then the main reason tito wanted to be on here today yeah is he's basically having this somewhat one-man war against christmas which is just I'm i don't i am mighty i am very mighty in my stance so it is the holiday season it is november 4th <laughs> Which for some people is Christmas season and some people is not. <laughs> Do you realize uh, how sad you sound? <laughs> you, you honestly you're it, forcing and yourself to say Christmas season in November, and that just makes it even worse for you at this point. So just keep, well, keep no, going. No, that, keep, keep no going. that's not fair because yeah. we are only three weeks from you know after thanksgiving i mean mm-hmm. there will be christmas season for even even by the most traditional standards of looking at the christmas season mm-hmm. there will be a week's worth of november in the christmas season so saying christmas season in november is not a huge it, issue yeah. for but, for some yeah yeah for some yeah um but tito i will let you propose your put your platform out there and then we can discuss it sure sure no my my platform is very simple right i am just of the belief that christmas has become so extra i guess is the word that i'm i'm kind of like referencing here that we forget about holidays like thanksgiving where the purpose of Thanksgiving is literally be thankful for what you have and not what you want. Um, Because I think a lot of it has come down for Christmas, at least, is we just care about presents. We care about, you know, all these certain things that we may not necessarily need, but we're getting anyway because we because we can Versus a holiday like Thanksgiving where, you know, for me growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot in terms of family around here. You know, it was just my mom, my dad, my sister and me. Um, You know, when you're half your family or, you know, more than 80 percent of your family is half a world away and in Puerto Rico, you know, there's just a certain value I place on having that family time, especially around Thanksgiving. Um because it's also around my birthday as well. Um, you know, it just, it just means a little bit more. And so I, I, 
I just live by this, uh, you know, I, I just live by the, the fact that I'm not going to celebrate Christmas until after Thanksgiving because I don't want Thanksgiving to be overshadowed by a holiday that will still come and still be there and will still have the same effect, you know, even if it is, you know, even if I am celebrating it, you know, three weeks, you know, you know, three weeks ahead, you know, it just, it just, to me, it just, uh, I hate that we overlook a thanks, you know, Thanksgiving like that. And that's not to say people aren't thankful. I know people are, I just, you know, I, I think it's more of like a funny, uh, war for me to just, uh, stoke, <laughs> stoke the fire and say, don't, don't forget about us November people, because we are the true Kings and Queens of the earth. Basically, this boils down to Tito being selfish that his birthday's in November. And I was born on Thanksgiving, shit. so I mean, there's probably that added to it. But I, I, I just, I do, I do feel like it is an overlooked holiday for the simple fact that Christmas is so, it's so magical. Like as kids, like you know, it's so magical to see your kids, um, you know, open their presents and stuff like that. And and I get it. I'm not saying that. Christmas stinks by any means. I just think you can't, there is, there is a chicken before the egg kind of thing. Like Thanksgiving has to happen in order for you to get to, th- to, to Christmas. So why not just also place a good emphasis on Thanksgiving, especially, and I say this very, um, apolitically with everything that's going on around the world right now, how mm-hmm. could you not be more thankful f- for everything that you're going on? That's going on right now. Um, cause you could be having it a lot worse, um, than some people around the world right now. So, well, Alan, I know you're pretty much in the same line, but yeah. I'd let you give you a shot at this. Oh yeah. I'm definitely pro Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I want even just for all the things that Tito just mentioned and the, the fact that I just like to, to smoke meat and cook and be yeah. around family. And this is one of those situations to where. It's not overly cold. We're, you know, we're going to have a campfire. We're going to do all, or a bonfire and all kinds of stuff outside. I love it. Now, I don't even know if this is, is good or bad, but it's definitely looked upon as the Christmas preseason. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you know no, I mean? no. Because, like, and, it's, and like I said, even when we were talking, I was thinking, you know what? That's, that's how I feel about it in a negative way. And then I was like, well, maybe it's not the negative way. Maybe that is the way to getting family together. And that's a lot of the time, the best way that we can connect is for the big family gatherings that we have. And it's tough to get my mom and my brother together at times and stuff like that. And, and the food draws it together. Then, then, you know, and we get to be on the land and, and all kinds of cool stuff. So I agree with you on that. And then, uh, but I've also, I would, I would, I would be lying if I told you I haven't caught Amber watching Hallmark movies already, and it's <laughs> November fourth. You know, I'm saying one of those deals. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we are in our household. But I will say we have the full uh, uh, fall decoration going on, and it will stay up until Amber. We're we're a no Christmas tree until December family. So that that's kind of where we are. Yeah, if you put How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version, I will say if you put How the Grinch Stole Christmas um on tv i'll watch it because i think it's <laughs> yeah I, I'll, I'll watch it because it's the best christmas movie in my opinion i think sure. 
I think there's very few Christmas movies where I'm like, okay, I'll sit down and watch because they're all the same thing. <laughs> all, yeah. all of them are the same movie yeah. over and over and over again. Now, Home Alone is a good movie too. I'll watch that at Christmas. But like every single Christmas movie is the same thing. So it just like I'm always eager to get to Christmas because it's a good time of year. But I just there's something about like, can we just wait? Like literally Halloween wasn't even over and Lowe's is already putting up Santa models. And I'm like, what is going on? We're still in October 20th and, and I've got Santa staring me in the face. I've got two different kinds of Santa standing, staring me in the face. I'm like, well, I'm not buying either of you today. So I don't, I don't understand why, why we have to place so much emphasis on Christmas when it's going to be there no matter what, like it, it'll still, it'll still happen. You know, I, I just don't know. You may be surprised. I don't disagree with you. Oh, I, this is, this will be rich. Um, there's no, a, butt, no, there's I, a, but really, Alan, there's a, butt coming. There's a, butt yeah. coming. I will say when you do Christmas, the way that we do Christmas, you got to start early. I mean, I've got stuff out on my back porch and I'll probably start getting things prepared today and I'll start putting out lights next week. They won't come on until Chris, until Thanksgiving night. Right. Um, but I want them to be ready for that time. So and, I don't and I, disagree. And, and I think, and I think that's fine. Like, I'm not saying mm. don't put your Christmas lights up because it is literally 20 degrees warmer today than it will be. I'm no fool here. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm crazy and like, no, you can't hang lights and, and, and whatnot. Like I totally right. get that. I'm just saying like, why not just wait until after Thanksgiving to just, you know, really start in on the holiday season. And this is yeah. coming from a culture. So the Puerto Rican culture, pretty much any Latino culture, the Puerto Rican culture specifically, once it is November 1st, that is Christmas season. Like that's how hardcore they go down there. I'm just kind of like a, a red, uh, you know, the black swan where it's like, okay, well you guys do that. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. I do, I do think, I mean, Thanksgiving is a, is a special time as well. And I mean, those, those um, you know, I do look forward to that uh, quite a bit. Um, I just, the the, the Christmas season, and, and yeah, it, there is a, the, the presence aspect of it, but I don't really worry about that too much. I mean, when no. you get older, you know, what are you going to get? I mean, you know, you know, you're going to get a Lego set back. like I do, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, maybe I have the last couple of years. Um, hey, so, and and but, and you're a, and you're a better person for it too, right? Yeah, but the you know the problem also becomes it all comes out of the same bank account, right? Yeah, um, right. so it's it doesn't uh, you you get to pay those bills as well, but um, you know just the whole you know going to you know having parties, going to events, the decorations, just the the there's a little bit more joy at that yeah. time of year. Um, and so if there's that kind of focus, I, I kind of get why people want to get to that a little earlier, but I, I agree, you know, when you when when Mariah Carey, you know, wakes up on November 1st, <laughs> uh, you know, it yeah. seems a little much to me most of the time. Yeah, um, I mean, like uh, I, I, I will say she's a genius in marketing because absolutely. That is a cash cow that she's sitting on. Um, 
for the rest of her life. Not that she actually needs it because she's got all the money in the world, but mm-hmm. you know, she's, she is a, a genius to, to put that together and, and people love it. People eat it up. Right. That's the thing. Well, like, it, the, people I mean, eat that's it the up. thing. I mean, I feel like it, it was like one of those things that people started doing and then mm-hmm. she latched onto it and got in on the joke. And that's yeah, I'm pretty sure it started people. out as a meme. Yeah. You, you just don't see celebrities or other people necessarily really getting in on the joke. Yeah. Um, and even when they try, sometimes it doesn't come off well. But this, no, is but th- this has been a very hit thing yeah. for them. So, but I mean, it's, I mean, put that aside and just think about the fact that Mariah Carey has written and performed the only like addition to the Christmas canon of songs mm-hmm. since like the 1950s. Right. I mean, everybody yeah. else just does like covers and repeats. And this is the one that it's just, that is part of it. It's, it's weird to think that that's, you know, almost 30 years here now, but um, still the most modern version of a Christmas Carol that we have. And it, and it still slaps uh, <laughs> every time it comes on. I'm always bobbing my head to it because, because it's still, it's, it's, it's a really good song. I'm not, yeah. uh, not going to knock that one. I mean, I, I do appreciate the Christmas season. I do. I just wish people would stop and, and think for a second. There is more to the holiday yeah. season than mm-hmm. just Christmas. That's that's really what I'm trying to say is, yeah. is that you can slow down for two seconds in your life and appreciate a, a holiday like Thanksgiving where um, it means a completely different thing than Christmas mm-hmm. um, and still get joy out of that versus, you know, the obvious, you know, major, you know, I would call it the biggest holiday in the year. Yeah. Oh, by yeah. far. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it won't be as disappointing for all of you as the second biggest one, which was opening day. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no promises though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you'll have a new addition to deal with, so I'm pretty sure it'll be a good one for you. So. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Uh, hey, so. we're within a week. It's kind of crazy. It's very surreal. Wow. Yeah, no. I was I awesome. was really hoping that uh, it would happen in the middle of this podcast, boost some ratings. Could you? Ima- yeah, could you imagine? Hey, gotta go. Got a baby to go. It's, uh, go tend to. Right. Dito, it's been great to have you on. Um, we'll do it again sometime. Um, probably not anytime soon. Thank but you. um yeah. And I, I appreciate you, you know, with the early morning attending. Um Alan, we'll be back at it. It's I hopefully we'll have some news and, and we can do another show here sometime this month. Um, but if not, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, and we'll talk at you later for Alan and Tito. I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. He hits it in the air to left field. Back is Chavez. At the wall, this ball is gone. Two-run home run, Yadier Molina. And St. Louis takes a 3-1 to ninth inning game seven lead.